Good morning. Thank you for joining this morning. Practice of being aware of awareness. Hear three bells. One in just a moment and one midway through. And then the uh, concluding bell will be at uh, 60 minutes from now. We can notice as we take a deep breath all the way in, all the way out, that something follows that breath, right? Attention just can stay right there with the breath. And we can notice the attention is not breathing. The attention is watching. The attention is somehow right there at the moment of the act of breathing. But the attention is neither what is doing the act of breathing, what is feeling the act of breathing. Perhaps we just take a minute and zero in on that distinction. Attention is watching the breathing, aware of the breathing, witnessing the breathing. but is not itself involved with the breathing. So we could say that the breath, the actual segment of breath, let's say an inhale, we could say the inhale 
is the object. The object being watched. And then the exhale is the object being watched. So there's maybe even like four objects, right? There's the pause before the inhale that's being watched. That has a beginning and an end. The inhale, that's the beginning, and then at some point it tips over, right? And goes to an exhale. That's an object being watched. And then there's a pause between the next one. And no matter what the object is, no matter what segment of breath, we could like rub our fingers together lightly. That's another object being observed. The word object is just something with a beginning and an end, something not continuous, something that exists in space and time. The attention is not what is rubbing the fingers together. The attention's what's watching. And so what we do during this time together, no matter what the words are, the pointings, no matter how it plays out, the core practice is to put a little bit more attention on the fact that something's watching, that there is a witness. There's an observer. than on the object itself. We don't try to get rid of objects. We, we're actually very, very useful. <clears throat> if this were a complete blank space with nothing coming and going, it would be very difficult. To sense into the witnessing of the object that arises in consciousness, in awareness, in our view of life, the world, the happenings. So I can hear a squirrel pitter-patter down on the roof. Attention immediately goes to the squirrel, the sound, and then the practice is, ooh, what knows that? What's aware of that? 
to what does that sound arise? By what is that heard? <clears throat> and while it may seem like a, an effort or a practice, it's actually just a retraining of attention. Attention for decades has been trained to go out to objects and then I'll lock on them to the next object. And we are training in to attention this U-turn. Noticing what's noticing. And allowing attention to rest on that noticing until it kind of, I don't know what the word, it kind of fuzzes out, doesn't it? All of a sudden you're like, wait, am I doing it? <laughs> I mean, this is very relaxing, but I'm not sure I'm doing it. And then, and then you go, oh, wait, that's a thought. I can use that. The thought, am I doing it? What hears that? What knows that? Thoughts can't know themselves. Emotions cannot know themselves. We know them. We consciousness, we awareness. It's kind of a strange thing because we're allowing attention to rest on the, the kind of ongoing knowingness on the that which knows, that which observes, that which is awareing. <coughs>
<clears throat> so we've been working our way through Helen Hamilton's Dissolving the Ego through these practice times. And we're now to chapter 19. It's called stage two practice. It talks about trigger events. <clears throat> I'll read to you a little bit. Helen writes, once we have established a good practice routine, of course, the last 18 chapters have pointed to different words and different iterations. The last being the one we just finished, noticing your own pure subjectivity. And while that word took some time to resonate for me, that wording, it's simply the practice we just did of noticing that objects come and go. How do we know? Because we're there the whole time. We're there before them, we're there while they rise, and we're there when they dissolve. Whether the object is an emotion or a feeling or a, a, a sound, a sight, taste, touch, feel, all of it. And we just simply keep looking back to what notices it. So she's saying, once we've established a good practice routine, turning attention to the noticing, we will begin to find it easier and easier to tune into the silence. Another word for what's noticing. Can, can, right now, can, can you hear the silence under these words? Can you notice that these words are spoken from silence to silence and received into the silence. Can you hear the silence even when the words are being spoken? So it becomes easier to tune into the silence, the stillness. Same, can you sense into the stillness? <coughs> Just a continuous background. It's a low level. non-coming and going stillness. Another word she uses is awareness. Is awareness present right now? Notice how the answer to that question is known instantly. None of us went to our mind to figure it out, to think of the last time we asked the question, what it meant, what it felt like, and where we were. Who's got the best answer and how our answer's not good enough? Like, none of us did any of that. Is awareness present? Boom. Yes. 
And that's because what we are is awareness. And awareness is self-aware. So we don't do anything. Awareness simply notices itself by itself. We get to watch that happen. We get to watch the yes arise. When asked, is awareness present? Where does the yes come from? What says yes? Is awareness present right now? Is awareness present? We can notice that once it's a yes, it's established to be yes, it's known to be yes, a little wondering about what, where that comes from, what's talking, what knows. And then did you watch mine just kind of go, yeah, <laughs> just start, just slide onto another thing. It's just the nature of attention. What it moved to was any object that was moving, that was new, that was novel, that was different. Awareness is a mechanism. It constantly scans. And if you notice, You don't do the scanning. Awareness scans. Something's aware of that awareness.
Helen Hamilton said, life is watching the journey of attention. And sometimes it's, it's kind of feels like all we can do to notice that there's this attention aspect. Sometimes we're so absorbed in what's happening, we don't even notice that. Sometimes we do. We can notice we all have these little probes. Dr. David Hawkins calls them, <coughs> I think he calls them the experiencer probe. Just wanders everywhere, just probes. And we can you know, get captured by that and have the experience of being the prober. Sometimes awareness lands further back. And it's noticed that something's watching the whole show. Something's watching the probe, it's watching what's being probed. And it's also watching the character watching that. Something watches this body-mind organism go through its day. You sit in a chair and meditate. You lay on a bed and get sleepy while they're meditating. Something watches sleep come, drowsiness come. Something notices the words get less distinct at that point. And then something notices and the drowsiness falls away. Some sharpness is back. Something notices the body-mind organism, the, the character, right? The action figure, <laughs> it's called. And the room. And the walls and the space 
in the room up to the walls. That same something can notice it's the same space right outside the wall. And that space keeps going. Down the block, across the neighborhood. The town, to the city, to the region. Something can zoom way, way out, can't it? Something can zoom so far out. The whole country we're in somehow is like kind of seen as some lines on a map. You zoom out more, and in our mind's eye, we can see a, a globe, an earth. And at some point, the, the pictures come like more like imagination. And yet, there's a knowing. of the space that connects all of that. Continuous unbroken space. In a universe that we're told at this very moment and all moments, is actually expanding, not static, not fixed, not shrinking. And there's something about what knows that, that just kind of expands with it somehow. And if all of that can be perceived, even in just the mind's eye, these little flashes of images, then the fact is there's something that perceives that. Something that knows all of that, that is not itself a form. Every object is perceived by a subject. That's how we know it's an object. Even a continuously expanding universe becomes an object that is known by something that is not itself an object. That's what Helen calls our pure subjectivity, the pure subjectivity.
so from the, the knowingness of the pure subjectivity. Take in Helen's words for pointing to stage two practice and trigger events. And what the hell, I'm gonna try now to get all the way to sentence three. <laughs> she begins, once we have established a good practice routine, we will begin to find it easier and easier to tune into the silence, stillness, awareness, or the noumenon by whichever name we call it. This is the stage when we may begin to feel like we are being tested. Events in our lives can trigger positive or negative thoughts and emotions based on whether they fit with our projections and desires. Although it may feel as though we are being tested, it is not by some higher power or all-seeing entity that is determined to stop our progress or define our worthiness for awakening. Test comes when an event happens in our world that triggers a lot of thoughts and emotions and the resulting tensions in the body to be felt. This is a crucial stage in our practice and one that we must understand Try to wake up fully. We are being shown in these moments where we are still believing ourselves to be separate entities or where we are listening to our egoic sense of self. <clears throat> when thoughts are triggered, we have two options. We will look at each in turn. We can and usually do pay attention to them and experience emotions based on how much these thoughts are believed. Thoughts are phenomena. And they emphasize the feeling of being a someone that is thinking and feeling of resulting emotions. When we believe these thoughts, we are automatically reinforcing our own sense of being separate. The other option is to allow the thoughts to come and the emotions too, and yet remain focused on the noumena itself by whatever means you tune into it. At first, this may seem very difficult, but it is only because the force of habit is to take attention away from the noumenon and give it to thoughts. A habit may be well-established in our consciousness, but it is still just a habit, which can be undone by paying attention to the noumenon. The only choice we have is whether to pay attention to the thoughts in the moment like that or turn away from the magnetic pull of the thoughts and stay with the noumenon. 
allow the body and mind to feel whatever they are feeling and remain centered in silence. Remain centered on the silence, in the silence, as the silence. Remain centered on the stillness, as the stillness, in the stillness. Immediately, you will begin to feel peace again. And the emotional charge will begin to dissipate. If we remain focused on the pure awareness, we will find it easier and easier each time. The urge to pay attention to the thoughts is simply a habit. And the habit is where we put our attention. As you have seen when you are meditating, and so can be reversed. The question is, will you? And there's a section called A Thousand Small Moments. We begin to live our awakening fully by being willing to turn away each time something triggers within us, the strong sense of being someone that something has just happened to. No matter what thoughts come up from a trigger event, it is possible to simply take attention away from the thoughts and to say an inward thank you for being shown where you are still paying attention to thoughts.
Helen writes, remember, we can only pay attention to one thing at once. We've contemplated this before. It's one of those things that may not actually be true in your experience, but it's a helpful kind of concept to keep in mind when you're triggered, all the attention goes to the trigger. So it's a helpful concept to say, we can only pay attention to one thing at a time. What do I want to pay attention to? And it kind of allows us to choose again, to bring attention back inward on what's going on with us, being with it. Helm writes, our attention is either on the thoughts and the phenomena, the trigger, or on the silence. We are either strengthening our sense of being separate and our ability to suffer, or we are dissolving the separateness. We cannot do both. The choice is always ours and we must make it every time. So the work we do, the habit we build is with our attention. fundamental superpower. We are casters of our attention, as Regina has said many, many times. Helen writes, in 1,000 tiny moments such as these, a sage is made. Each one of us has this inner power, this inner focus, this inner conviction to turn away from the magnetic pull of thoughts and focus back on our true self. It is a choice between peace and suffering. Choice by choice, we bring our lives back into harmony, moment by moment. This is the path of those who have awakened. And there is no big secret to learn other than the fact that you can ignore any thoughts, no matter how alluring they may seem to be. We become resolute in our decision to stay in the noumenon as the noumenon. Then 
all unseen powers come to help you. So even as these words are read, <laughs> you know, mind doesn't stop, right? The self-referencing mechanism continues. Can we listen in to what it's saying? can hear thoughts of doubt. I can hear thoughts of guilt. I can hear thoughts of you don't always do this. When awareness doesn't land on, it's accepted as true and re-believed by the system. We can't let go if something we don't notice is there. Maybe we just take a few minutes and really allow all those competing narratives, that self-referencing mechanism to tell us who we are and what we can't do and what we don't do, and how hard it's gonna be. Maybe it'll show us lots and lots of times that it was a judgment that we didn't do it right. Maybe not. Can we notice when these thought forms, these objects, are moving through awareness? These deeply ingrained defense mechanisms of denial and repression, and projection, give us a run for our money. And the intention is that more seeing be given, more clarity come. Let awareness land on all of it. We can't turn away from something that we don't even realize the system is kind of oriented to. That's, that's why the, this upcoming retreat is so vital. Um, releasing alien bad belief, it just runs in the background. It's, and, in whispers, ah, I mean, you're gonna try, but you're not gonna do it. Ah, what about the other time? It shows you last weekend, or it, it pops ahead to what Thanksgiving will be. You know, it's this self-referencing mechanism is a mechanism. It just continues 
to kick up stories and images and thoughts and emotions. Everything we haven't healed, right? All the scars, all the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. We have an opportunity all the time, but in these moments, just open our heart to feel that grief, that doubt, that guilt, that sadness. Who knows, maybe there's a little pride. The anxiety, uncertainty. You can see them for what they are. They are objects passing through consciousness. The only power they've ever had is our believing attention, which doesn't have to be given consciously. It could have unconsciously been given for decades. We're here to cut that cord. And notice how often we identify with the contents of mind. Those objects go flying by and something in here is afraid it's me and reacts to it, afraid it's true. And we just, and the only work we ever do in that regard at its core is to hold those thought forms or those emotions, those narratives in non-judgmental awareness. We don't push them away. We don't pull them closer and identify with them. We just shine the light of awareness on them. And if you really watch, we are not actually shining a light. Awareness shines its own light. Our job is actually just not to interfere with these other defense mechanisms that are deeply ingrained and, you know, kind of the, the whole edifice of the, of the subconscious. Our job is to breathe and allow it to just sit in non-judgmental awareness. We can notice that this noticing doesn't actually take effort. What takes effort is to pull it away, or to identify with it and energize it. That's actually the effort. The noticing is naturally happening. It's the same noticing that noticed the breath in the very beginning.
and the invitation that Helen Hamilton and every teacher has issued these a thousand small moments. It invites the most powerful use of awareness, which is catching the mechanism in the act. Bringing consciousness, our conscious awareness, some, some other consciousness, bringing consciousness to that which was previously unconscious. the opportunity is to notice just how addictive the mind is and how addicted we are to it. Releasing any addiction takes effort. Continual noticing.
So again, Helen writes that urge to pay attention to thoughts is simply a habit. A habit of where to put your attention. We allow the body and the mind to feel whatever they are feeling. And we remain centered, that is, attention remains centered on the silence, on the stillness, on the felt sense of existence. Immediately, you will begin to feel more peace again. And the emotional charge will at least begin to dissipate. We can see how we can't actually develop a new habit unless we know where else to put attention than on the thoughts. The tension is going to immediately go to the thoughts of the feelings. Our practice every day is practicing that other place to put attention. So that when the trigger hits, we have some habit energy. Attention knows the path, the route back home, down to the heart, to the silence, to the stillness, to the subjectivity, to the contextual field, to the sense of existence. <laughs> 